the assumption that the public is always ignorant and they are the same it, that is something we need to get out of like when i went to samburu those people are not even though they are detached from the world and they have been ignored they really actually are in touch with what's going on in their society and if journalists just listened without any lens any frame before them they would get what those people are trying to tell them i am vera okayo i'm a global health reporter from nation media group in kenya well from the title global health i write about health in general and matters affecting provision of health which is policy and also infectious diseases as well i have always been a fan of slow journalism you know spending time to listen more to the people we report about so when i saw a tweet from vera that she was traveling to samburu in northern kenya to report from there and with no story in mind i thought i must speak to her i started our interview by asking her why she chose this type of reporting in reporting about that community in the global language i would talk about it as a minority often reporters rely on academic studies that have been produced government or official statements about health and general livelihood of the people who live there and because of the hardship of trying to access those areas as as a journalist you often end up misrepresenting or not presenting what's happening to those people as it should be so when the story is published and a few of them are online the the feedback that they give you uh to the story that you reported is you find that you're not even close to representing what they are going through and as someone who has studied qualitative research methods i thought if i went there with an agenda then i would rule out any other possibility of finding out how those people live so I went to Samburu and while I had put it in myself that I'll visit it Samburu and look at their healthcare I mean what goes on in healthcare I decided what brings people to the health facilities how they live back at home and that's why I wanted to go and see how they do that and how were you received actually they were really curious and and they were like yeah right at the first few days they were like um this is interesting we have never seen this we people always come here and they are aware they have interacted with journalists before people come here mostly they see they see the camera and sometimes it's researchers that's what i got it's researchers who are coming to look at how they live they collect the data and then go and they never see them again and they never know what happens of them so at first they were a bit skeptical but open to say what what's happening to them because they felt um if i got the feeling like if there was anyone who's ever going to tell people out there how desperately we need some of the basic services that we do it let's just give it a shot if you don't do it fine if you do it that's fine so as the day go by goes by um now the trust was coming in and they were a bit a bit open to talk about that and also it was different there was a gender perspective there the women mostly talked about things that affected their children and mostly their children the men talked about the things that affected their livestock so it is from those kind of uh things that they hold close that they their insecurities came from they were wondering are you a spy the men were wondering are you a spy are you coming here to 
collect information and then later we will be attacked or something. And also the women were like, are you the people who come here to give uh, jobs and then my kid will be sick? I mean, vaccination officers. So after some time, when they saw that's not why I was not there, they, they just opened up and yeah, I had an easier time for the the remaining part of time that I was there. I mean, you talked about how this community has interacted with uh, mostly researchers and academics. Did, did you feel like they have an appreciation about what you do, what journalism is, and what your reporting uh, of, of them will, will actually end up, and, and what kind of narrative will come out of it? Actually, um, they made me even question why I was in this career in the first place, because they talked about journalism like it is this powerful thing that can put their governor in check, their senator in check. They felt like once you put their stories out there in the newspaper, those people are going to be scared and, and, and come and do what they're supposed to do. And they also felt that the few times that they interacted with journalists, they were always presented as these people who are warlike and, 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 and just dying of, of hunger and all that, which is true, but they felt like that's not all they're all about in, in that place. So I, as I was going back to how I started, it's like it made me question why I joined the career in the first place because look at these people, they, were, they trust you and they're placing all their vulnerabilities in your hand as a reporter. And even though they, it was difficult to speak the language, like I had to get someone to translate for me in certain household, they looked at me and believed that even though I'm speaking in a language you do not understand, I, I, I hope and trust that you're going to put it out there like the way it should. And I, I would see when I'm done with talking, they would ask me, they would ask the nurse to ask me whether there's anything else that I did not understand and, and, and they, they wanted to clarify. They were really keen to share and not just share in words, show me, like show me, this is how, where we fetch water. You see how green it is, it is smelly. Um, this is the road. You see the elephant black that tree over there and I used to sit under that tree to rest when I've walked. And they were, it was not just words. They were just uh, showing me and telling me, demonstrating so that if, because I, I think they could read my face when they're talking sometimes, I couldn't help but like, you know, open my eyes wide in amazement. Um, and to demonstrate that, they would show me literally, like, let me come in, let me go and show you like that. So it was also um, a point of a reflexive look at how I practice my journalism, and also not assuming that the word public, you know, we use that word a lot in journalism. Oh, yeah, I share information to the public. The assumption that the public is always ignorant and they are the same, is, is, that is something we need to get out of. Like when I went to Samburu, those people are not, um, even though they're detached from the world and they've been ignored, they really actually are in touch with what's going on in their society. And if journalists just listened, unbiased, listened without any lens, any frame before them, they would get what those people are trying to tell them.
Vera, when you were there, you were also tweeting uh, about your experience, yes. a phrase that you used uh, in mm. one of your tweets. Actually, several of your tweets was ethnographic journalism. What does that mean? Ethnography, I don't even know if there is something that exists like ethnographic journalism. I just came up with it. But ethnography is a style of qualitative research where um, you go and live with the people where you are and experience life through their eyes and just be part of one of them. Of course, it cannot be the same thing because how you judge things is, is depending on socialization and all that. But ethnography is going to a people, living with them and finding out how they, they do things and, and then just uh, researching mostly in anthropological setups about that. So in journalism, I assumed, um, the, uh, I thought, as I mentioned before, that I did not want to have a frame in my head. Ethnography is supposed to remove those things where you, if you ask a question, you really have a structure. Now, ethnography is not, you don't have a structure. And even if it's there, you're not going to phrase them according to what you think you're going to experience it. So I wanted to combine that element of research and journalism where I write, um, I become a vessel for people's stories to, um, to, to come forward. And when I published the story, if you had read it, there was no interview of, you know, um, talking to a county officer to try and validate or, or, or corroborate what the people said. It was basically just letting them talk to me and let me experience that and then finding the proper word. I wanted to find, I call it outrage. I wanted to find the proper outrage for that because if I had relied on, as I said, reports and government statements, I would have not let those people talk about their pains and, and their victories as I did. Many journalists don't practice it, but because of the risk involved and also the trauma, I will not lie to you, Dickens, when I came from Saburu, while I was touched by the resilience of those women, I am still recovering from the amount of, of hardship that I saw those people endure. So um, while it's a difficult thing to practice as a journalist, because you don't know how you're going to, you know, um, um, mitigate the risk, both emotional, physical, and psychological. It's, it's something that if you take this career, you should try and do, especially in a community that has been so misrepresented and people have made assumptions and stereotypes about how they are 25 years behind in civilization. Now you've you've talked about um, your whole your experience, and in fact, you mentioned that this is something that made you question um, the you know your your whole career. And you've just yeah. talked about the trauma that uh, you you're still dealing with after covering this story. Would you yeah. do it again? Of course, and I'm, I've already picked a community, um, my own community in Luo in Homa Bay, um, and I want to go and 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 live with them also it may not be as difficult but ethnography is you go out there with the element of you know what's surprising show me i think i know these things but maybe i don't know so i'm i'm, I'm planning to do this again and particularly if you're reporting about 
let me use the collective word of development issues. I'm talking about health, gender, education, the social aspects of, of, of policy and politics. Ethnography is a good way to, to find out, to get people's voices out there on how are they taking... Um, I will give you an, an example of how we, we rate free maternity in, in, in this country, you know? We would look at the, the documents from Kenya Demographic Health Survey of maternal mortality and probably call the Ministry of Health and tell us how far are we above or below the official um, uh, KDHS number on maternal mortality in 2014. That was the last time it was released. So in 2015, 16, 17, and 18, how far are we? So maybe we'll have improved by like, say, 10%. But then... Those kind of stories, while it shows that we've made progress, it leaves out a very critical element that journalism in Kenya misses out, which is the human voice. Because even if we have improved, you need to know, is there, is there, how are people feeling about this thing? Was it forced down on them? Are there other cultural things that are making them not adopt it or, or are adopted? You know, those are the nuances that storytelling should be about, should, should be about journalism, should be about. So what so, I'm hearing from you is this is more of a, of a listening tour where you go there without any agenda, you listen and reflect the views of those communities. That, that is exactly what I'm trying to say, Dickens. And also, you know, you keep reviewing. Um, one time when I'm done with all, I will do five and then I will take an academic look because... Um, when I was in, in college, qualitative interviewing for my postgrad in London was one of the things I really used to do. Like, it, it, it also, the same way I conduct in ethnography, the same way I learned that the same way I make conversations with, with women and men differs in different communities. So ethnography is also an, a tool to keep helping you um, a change and review how best you can get information out of people, not to exploit them, but how best can you tell people how they feel, you know? Like, because um, I noticed when I was in Samburu that when I was walking with the women, they, they talked about, oh my God, I would like to go to school. I was married, but you know what? I'm going to make sure that my daughter does not end up in the same way. They talk so passionately and, 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 and like comically, you know? They could talk, go on and on and on about their dreams, what they've been planning, how they're planning to decorate their homes. But then when you bring them together with the men, while they're not quiet again, they, they are very, uh, the women now begin to be very structured. You can always feel like the answer is very rehearsed. And, 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 and you don't get that feeling, the emotion, you know, the happiness out of their words. Their, their words now are very are really structured. And even the men at that point, the Samburu, uh, the man is always like the defender of the woman from, from the animals and whatever. When they're in that setup, they can never admit that there is something that's bothering them. But when you separate them, it's very different. So I got that kind of thing, like I never knew that. I never knew that. And that is exactly what we do when you, you're a journalist, you come from Nairobi and you go to Northeastern Kenya, because you want to cut down on costs and also probably you don't have a lot of time, you bring all of the people together and you tell them, wow, but you know, it's a big problem. Health is a big problem. You guys should talk together. But when you bring them together, they will not give you the real 
thing, the real information. So I will do this again, not just for bringing the stories, but also to keep updating. And I will give a report to my boss on how best we can interview different sections of the society, different um, genders, different communities, because it is different. I felt that because I've reported in Nakuru, Nairobi, and most urban centers, I had to talk differently when I was in Samburu. Your health reporter, could you just tell me a little bit yes. more about what you cover and what your experience has been? Okay, I cover, um, as I mentioned, global health. And, you know, health is such a wide thing. So I looked at Kenya and I felt the places where are bringing our country on our knees is mostly policy, um, not that the policy is not there, it's there, but it's not being implemented, and infectious diseases, the response, the preparedness. We have technical experts, but there's always that gap between the expertise and then what reaches the people. There's a gap there in the middle. So I decided I am going to be there in the middle. Uh, generally, health reporting is growing in, in Kenya, but um, I have to say two, two things, which is an oxymoron. At the moment, it's a bit shallow, but I, I see journalists working hard and people are investing money into trying to develop this kind of uh, reporting. And generally, health reporters do not face the same, uh, should I say, harsh environment, aggressive environment as political reporters because people trying to see them like they are a very critical component of fixing the country, if I may say. Uh, at the moment, in terms of talking about that generosity in trying to build the country, the nation, nation media group, the Daily Nation, which has now one of the few, probably the only in this part of Africa, East Africa, has a dedicated uh, desk that was funded by the Gates Foundation, and it has given me an opportunity, me and my colleagues at that desk, an opportunity to really, first of all, capacity building because there is an update, and also to do reporting that is based by facts. And Vera, my last question for you. I know you have been working on, uh, and this is based on me following your tweets keenly, so I hope I'll get brownie points yep. for that. Um, <laughs> I, I know you've been working on some sort of a project where you um, have health professionals working with journalists. Could you just briefly tell me about what that is? Well, the professional is just trying to, as I was mentioning, while in my postgrad at the London School of Economics, my professors, Omar Al-Ghazi and Wendy Williams, introduced me to this concept called the public sphere. The public sphere is... Um, a place where people gather uh, to talk about public and private stuff. I'm talking about, um, it could be Twitter, it could be Facebook, it could be your baraza, it could be your the meeting in your house, anywhere where people gather to talk, virtually, geographically, or in any way. So I realized that science is not part of Kenya's public sphere. Rarely would you see, unless it's the scientists themselves or people interested in that line, Rarely would you see the public coming together to talk about issues to do with science. And I feel this is a very bad thing because this is how medical seeking behavior is bad and people don't know how to press their country and participate democratically with issues affecting science at the back of their head. They don't know what, what to ask for. 
in terms of health provision, in terms of education, for teaching of STEM, the collective sciences. So my project, POC the Professional, which I think is a short form of POC the Pro, I mean POC the Professional, I've shortened to POC the Pro, is to just bring scientists and help them to have a normal conversation with the normal people by asking the most basic questions, but at the back of it, a very complex answer. That is Vera Okeo, Global Health Reporter at Nation Media Group in Kenya. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time and you want to know more about journalism in Africa, check out my website www.dickensolewe.com. My podcast is also available on iTunes and if you have an Android phone, download it on Stitcher app. Just search for my name, Dickens Olewe. And please rate the podcast when you find it. As always, for any comments or feedback, I'm on Twitter at Dickens Olewe. Until next time, bye-bye.